Welcome back, Bills fans. It's your boy, Jeremy Mountain, the host of the Blue Mafia podcast. It's wild card weekend, baby. What are you doing? We're up early. It's Saturday a.m. It's 9.43 Standard Eastern Time. We're going to get this up and out of here by 11 o'clock. You know what it is. If you haven't been here before, Blue Mafia builds lovers everywhere you know. Former quarterback, your host, Division 3 wannabe has been Jeremy Mountain here. We're going to be breaking down the bills as we do every week, but this week it is wild time. Getting wild on a Saturday morning here, and then you know we got the implications. As always, Dennis Reynolds. Playoff implications bracket. Big bracket. We're going to predict each game. We're going to talk about what it's going to mean to each quarterback. And that is what it is this week. Let's go. Bills, beers, Battlestar Galactica. Josh Allen, the general, embarks on his first new step of being a Super Bowl caliber QB. He has proven that he can do it all. He has once again romanticized the media, romanticized the fans of the game, and essentially has made the Bills a primetime contender and also a Super Bowl contender. We know that this is a rubber match. We know that the Emperor Bill Belichick is coming in. But I'm going to break down five things to watch for, five things to think about as we head into game time. Firstly, check my book that I got from Raby. My fiance Rayleigh got me this book. Helps me keep my notes. All podcasters out there, I recommend keeping good notes. Number one, weather. Everybody has talked about the weather. The weather has taken a different spin. Probably the most significant weather talk in Buffalo in the last 15 years. It began with the wind game here in Buffalo where... Mackie boy didn't have to play. Mac Jones wore a scuba suit. Scuba Steve. Scuba Steve, damn you. Wore a scuba suit under his pads. An ode to Brian Hoyer, who also got that from Tom Brady. This game, I'm expecting to see a similar style as the end of the first game in Buffalo. The only difference to me in the weather is it may be freezing. It may be stingy cold. But for football outside, wind is the most important factor. And towards the end of that first game, we saw how Josh was able to start to push the ball downfield. It was still frustrating because the ball was tailing out of bounds into the corner. But the bottom line was, we found out that he can do a little bit more than the traditional human being can in those conditions. And I think that 
between seeing them take more shots in the past game and also, as we know, running Josh a little bit more. Now it is at a point where we're in the playoffs. Next man up has to be ready, but I'm not so worried about protecting Josh as I have been all season long. I could hope to see him run the ball about 10 times, probably hopefully about at least six called runs just because the offense seems to get more confident when he's running the ball. And it will also open up Devin. That being said, what version are we going to get of Josh Allen? I talked about this a little bit on the blog the other day. Check it out. Check it out. Steve Brule. Check out the blog. But I talked a little bit about what version of JA-17 are we going to get this weekend, this Saturday, tonight? Are we going to get the first version that we saw, the crazy golden retriever running around in Houston, surprising all of us, shocking all of us with his galloping goofus and gallant from Highlights Magazine. Will it be goofus or will it be gallant? The older listeners out there probably remember Highlights Magazine, but there was an old cartoon and it was goofus and gallant and it was basically like these two dudes are the same person but goofus does his homework but he lets his dog eat it before he's finished gallant makes sure to feed his dog and then does his homework josh allen has had both sides of goofus and gallant will he be the second version of Josh Allen that we saw following some of the highlights in the beginning of 2019 and 2018 we started to see a tall statuesque version of a pocket passer you know when he first started out he was more of a Cam Newton archetype started to see some of the arm talent thought there's something there there's some old barn ball talent there a little bit of Big Ben little bit of Big Ben, no laces, just chucking it around. But when you saw in 2020 when Allen started to elevate and see the game cerebrally and be able to make some checks at the line and make some confident throws from the pocket, personally, I started seeing him standing up in the pocket and he started to remind me a little bit of Brady. And obviously the fire off the field, or I'm sorry, on the sideline, you know, he's not, he's pretty docile off the field, but on the field, between the lines, on the sideline, he's a nut. And you have to be a nut to be great, to be a great quarterback. So, what version of JA 17 are we going to see? Are we going to see the early Cam Newton, the barn ball Big Ben, the fiery, not going to lose at any cost Tom Brady, never say die? Or will we see a new version? Will we see a new version where all three of those culminate into a superstar, Super Bowl superstar? That's what I hope. That's what I've always seen. And maybe it's not this year, but I still see Allen sort of elevating to another tier where he's going to be able to control the ball better and better and better. Look at Aaron Rodgers. 
Aaron Rodgers for a short time got bored with the game. He ended up recommitting to his body, recommitting to his footwork, recommitting to the weight room and doing squats and you see he's at an MVP caliber level even at his age. So we have a lot of time with Josh win or lose tonight. Number 3 defense. Now, we got pretty run over in the first game at home. We know that. Second game went a little bit better. Mackey boy was okay, but two interceptions. I got three guys to look for on number three here. Here's my three stars on defense. Last week I talked about Harrison Phillips, a little bit about Tremaine Edmonds. Quick shout out. Congrats to JP Jordan Poyer on all pro first team, all pro well-deserved obviously should have been in the pro bowl, but the three guys I'm going to be looking for watching for Matt Milano, sort of another unsung hero, even though he gets a little bit more praise and a little bit more penny in his wallet. He's a phenomenal player. Matt Milano in pass game, run game, flying around the ball. We're going to need a good game from the linebackers this week. Milano, Edmonds, even Klein. Keep your eye on Milano because as we saw that one big, big cutback that went long for Damian Harris in the first game, it was an over-pursuit. And the Patriots clearly saw some things on film that they were able to navigate and work that over-pursuit by the Bills in that zone scheme. Keep your eye on Milano. I smell him having somewhat of a breakout game, if not this game, some point in the playoffs. Number two, Ed Oliver. The horseback riding cowboy from down south. He's a nut, man. Undersized guy, but undersized by NFL standard defensive tackles when you imagine, you know, the old nose tackle. You imagine Pat Williams, you know. You imagine, oh, the dude from the Packers. Well, BJ Raji was pretty awesome. He was sort of one of those first gritty shorter quicker guys but anyways gilbert oh, i want to say gilbert guy had a visor awesome in the in the farb era anyways ed oliver i'm still waiting for his breakout moment we've seen flashes we've seen sizzle we've seen the dance moves i'm still waiting for that game that game that ed oliver becomes an official longtime buffalo bill also, finally, number three, my third defensive player to watch, who will be key, Groot, a.k.a. the Jolly Green Giant, Greg Russo. Like Oliver, I'm fully anticipating Russo to make a major impact, if not this week, possibly next week, possibly KC. As we know, we built this team around beating KC, and you do not want to look past the Patriots because they can certainly come out on top if you go in with low expectations, trap game-type mentality. But Rousseau, I fully expect to have 
a major impact today, major impact potentially next week if we can get by uh, the Patriots. And once again, as you've heard me say in the past, he's just one of my favorite dudes on the team. Awesome, awesome pick by Brandon Bean. Just a terrific uh, human being, Greg seems like. I'd love to talk to him someday and ask him what it's like to be that size. Uh, Ask him if he thought he was going to play wide receiver because he did play wide receiver in college, allegedly. Or high school, sorry. So, number four, things to watch versus New England. I'm hoping that the Bills, including Greg Russo, including Ed Oliver, including Mario Addison, including A.J. Epinesa, including Jerry Hughes, including Trey Edmonds, tip drill. Fucking tip drill. As a sub, six foot, five eleven and three quarters. Quarterback, it's not easy to see over the line, let alone get those balls around in and through arms get those arms up I think that the tip drill is a major 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 deterrent for younger quarterbacks especially like rookie Mac Jones in the first quarter if you can tip one two three balls it's gonna put a stymie in their plans it's gonna put a stymie in Josh McDaniel's script it's going to put a stymie in their plan bottom line tip drill big big thing I know that the guys aren't going to be able to hear this probably before tip drill go get it number five the final message as I send you off into the NFL implications in part two this was also mentioned on the blog I'm looking for the Bills to kill or be killed. Enough is enough. The time is now. We understand what we need to do. I understand, according to Jordan Poyer on Pat McAfee's podcast and also some of the rumblings around the league on NFL Network, Peter Schrager, the vibe is just different in the building, allegedly. That gives me chills as a former football player. I would just love to be feeling that angst to just want to get out there and fucking compete. Get out there and hit somebody. You got to hope that the Bills have some bad blood from the loss they took at home. And you got to hope that they are in a kill or be killed mentality. So that's it. I'm going to give you my final prediction right now. I have the Bills 28, Patriots 16. We'll see on the other side. NFL implications. Let's go. We are back. We got our light on for the second part in the NFL implications. Where were you the day the Bills beat the Patriots? You remember the first time you listened to Blue Mafia and you were like, ah, this Jeremy guy, he's kind of weird. I'll check this out. And you probably didn't watch much of the episode, but I'm still here. And I'm still doing the implications. And I'm going to keep doing it. So if it's your first time or your last time, thanks for listening. 
Let's do it. It's the it's the wild card weekend NFL implications bracket breakdown special. Let's do it. Every week, you know, we give you the top five quarterback matchups of the week. But this week, it's the wild card. We're going to take a walk on the wild side. We're going to go right through them. We're going to break down each game and the implications. One, two, three, four, five, six games. Two buys. As we know, Ryan Tanney's got a buy. Aaron Rodgers got a buy. The Bills could have probably had a buy had they taken care of business. And that is what we have talked about all year long, is what implications are these top five quarterback matchups of the week going to have on the playoffs? And we're there. We are there, boys and gals. Raiders, Bengals. Who you got? Joey Bags Burrow taking on Father Derek Carr. If anybody out there did not watch the ending of the Vegas Chargers game last Sunday night, it was arguably one of the best games I've ever watched a quarterback play. And though Justin Herbert is not in the playoffs, just want to shout out five out of six on fourth down. I've never in my 30 years of observing quarterbacking have I ever seen an effort like the Chargers and Justin Herbert put in? It was not enough as pit boss Rich Versace was able to finish them off, thus thrusting the Raiders into Cincinnati to take on Joey Bags. Joey Bagsboro is completing like nine nine yards per per completion, I want to say, as of late. And he's doing the things that he did with Jamar Chase at LSU. Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, you just love to see a team take a risk on chemistry. My boy Matty Moore and I had outstanding chemistry from working out in the side yard, throwing balls all day long in the summer, in the offseason. You see the same type of chemistry with Josh and Diggs. It's something that can't be bought. Chemistry between a quarterback and a wide receiver. But it can be drafted, allegedly, and the Bengals were able to do that. On the other side, Father Derek Carr, somebody who I've always sort of hated on. I even grew a little bit more new disdain for Carr when I found out that he was heavily recruited while Josh Allen got to take a back seat politically because of Derek Carr's older brother, David. And I was a decent fan of David Carr. I always was sort of uh, sympathetic for D- David Carr that he was forced to be a sacrificial lamb for the NFL and also the Texans. But Father Derek has got some juju to him. I joke about him being Father Derek because he talks like a preacher. He's not even from the South. I don't know why he's got a Southern preacher accent. But there's something to him. He's a good leader. And he performs. And he performs high in high-octane, high-pressure situations, which you can't take away from him. They showed a graphic that I didn't hear one pundit on TV talk about 
He's undefeated in overtime if he gets a possession. I think the, the Chargers game made him 6-0 and or 7-0 and in overtime if he gets at least one possession, and that's something to write home to mom about. I got... I'm split on this. I have a feeling that Burrow will be able to do enough, put up enough points. But then I started worrying about Max Crosby and how much he was able to get after Herbert. And I just don't know if Derek Carr's got the physical toughness. I found out how much emotional and spiritual toughness the guy's got. But if he takes some licks in cold Cincinnati, that's where I would take Cincinnati. Now, if the Bengals show up all cocky and get shut down the first two drives, maybe a bad turnover by Burrow trying to do trying to do too much early that's where I like the veteran to be able to manage the team through the finish line it's going to be a good game I think I'm going to go Bengals just because I kind of want to root for Bags Burrow obviously we have the Pats Bills we broke it down a little bit we'll break down the QB implications Josh Allen needs to do this or else there's going to start being some major questions and it's going to be a long freaking offseason for him and Bills fans and just about anybody connected. Mac Jones, on the other hand, he doesn't really have anything to lose. He's overperformed. He already beat them in their house and didn't throw. If he throws 10 passes, it'll be three times as many as he did last time. He has nothing to lose. I hate to say it, but if I was a Patriots fan, I would feel pretty good about this game. That being said, I think the Bills, like I said, 28-16, I think they win. Tomorrow, we do have a Monday night game this year, which is going to be weird to wait for. But tomorrow, Eagles, Eagles, Bucks. Antonio Brown is in the studio with Kanye West, apparently. Not playing for the Bucks though. The Bucks are not where they want to be right now. The Eagles kind of are above where they want to be right now. The Eagles started out a little weird. Nick Sirianni, shout out. We shouted him out last week, but once again, ties to Western New York. He takes some flack for some of his press conference stuff, but who can hate on the guy for getting this team to the playoffs? Young quarterback, young wide receiving core, decent running game. I think that Brady's going to have to fight for this one. I think that in the first half it's going to be a little close. And then I think Brady and the Bucks eventually sort of put the gas pedal down and have a couple big scores to finish it off. Jalen Hurts, though, great leader. Not the best yet, but just his mind, his leadership mind... He's going to be a good quarterback, but I think I could really see him in politics. I could see Jalen Hurts in politics or in leadership in some facet. It's just got a sharp demeanor. I got the Bucks. 49ers-Cowboys. Dak versus Gimme. I'm not a huge fan of Jimmy G. Sort of like Derek Carr, same thing. Just some of the quarterbacks that... I see make it that don't necessarily have the psycho edge 
that uh, Brady, Breeze, Manning, Rodgers, Allen, that psycho gene, I call it the wild eye. You can look for it if you see it in a quarterback's eye. There's a certain twitch that takes over. Never really seen that. Never really seen that out of guys like Derek Carr or... Jimmy Neutron. Jimmy G. He is another prototypical white action figure Ken doll QB. And I hate to say those things if I offend anybody out there. I apologize. It's all sports talk. But Jimmy G is sort of like a Ken doll quarterback. What do I mean? Some of these quarterbacks, they make it, they have the brains, they have the arm, but they don't have the balls. And by balls, I mean courage, tenacity, fearlessness, borderline psychosis required to be a Super Bowl quarterback. And as we know, Jimmy was a Super Bowl quarterback. But what happened? Fell a little short. Do I think that the 49ers can win in Dallas? Yes. Do I think that they can win because of Jimmy G? No. I think they can win despite Jimmy G, but not because of him. On the other side, Dak, question marks all year. Doesn't really have much to lose. He's got pretty much everything. Got the got the whole Dallas world in, his, in the palm of his hand. But I have a feeling that Dallas has sort of been rope-a-doping the NFL a bit. A few weeks back, early week three, week four, when I did my f- sort of first initial Super Bowl pick and I have stuck with it, I still see a Bills-Cowboys Super Bowl. They're both highly talented teams. They're both capable. And they're both built to win a Super Bowl. And I think the Dallas Cowboys have been, yes, a little bit underperforming, but if you think about their success over the last 25 years, similarly to the Bills, as I've mentioned, one of the original Bills Blue Mafia blogs, when it was called Red, White, and Blue, I talked about how the media, Jerry Sullivan, Bucky Gleason, continuously spewing negativity about the Bills despite their 8-8, eight 7-9, and 9-7 eight, and nine, nine and status, was tremendously different than the Cowboys, which was a different spin machine, which every year they were seven and nine, nine and seven, eight and eight, but every year they were a contender, whereas the Bills every year were a pretender. Both teams, I think, have not performed to the highest of expectations or abilities that they could have, losing some games maybe they shouldn't have. But I think that Dallas, like Buffalo, has one thing in mind, and that's Super Bowl. So I have Dallas in that one. Number five, Pittsburgh. Big Ben Rapyberger ends up making the playoffs, somehow limps in, and I'm somehow rooting for him. Never liked Big Ben on the field. I'm sorry, never liked him off the field, as we know. The dark side of Big Ben. Look it up, kiddos. 
He's a piece of shit. Don't let him fool you. But on the field, I can't say I don't appreciate the way that he can throw the ball. Juju Smith-Schuster returns. And another guy that I cannot stand off the field, but he's a football player. He could make a difference for the Steelers. Najee Harris is a terrific player, hard-nosed running back. Another guy I do not like off the field. I didn't like the way he talked to Pat McAfee on his podcast before the draft. And then I'll never forget that. But again, on the field, Najee Harris, pretty likable football player. Same thing with TJ Watt. If he's on your team, you like him. If he's not, you don't. And if I'm the Chiefs, Tyreek Hill not playing. Travis Kelsey was limping a bit at the end of the last game. They're in trouble. Their top three skill position players are a little banged up. Clyde Edwards, Hilaire is not going to play. Hill, I don't believe is playing. Kelsey, a little banged up. Could the Steelers pull that one out? I think they could, but I don't think they will. I got the Chiefs. Last one. Kyler Murray taking on Drew, a.k.a. Matthew. Stafford. For years, I've accidentally called Matt Stafford Drew Stafford, and I still don't care. Matt Stafford. Every time I start to doubt him, he turns around and impresses me with some gutsy performance. Every time I start to like him, he disappoints me with some weak performance where he ends up limping around and his helmet's falling off and he's all sweaty and he's breathing hard. And What version of him are we going to get? Are we going to get tough, never-say-die Matt Stafford? Or are we going to get limping around, shouldn't be on the field Matt Stafford? The same goes for Kyler Murray. When he is not injured, the Cardinals are one of the sexiest teams in the league. When he's banged up, they look like a 4-12 and team. That should fire the coach. Cliff Kingsbury, former QB. Sean McVay, offensive guru. This should be fun. I'm, I'm not looking forward to waiting all the way to Monday night, but I am kind of glad that after a Monday afternoon, that game will still be on. Now we're hoping that this is going to be a nice Monday afternoon with a nice Bills victory, but don't get your hopes up too much. We live in Buffalo. Cardinals-Rams, that's going to be a wild one. I think the home field advantage is somewhat advantageous for the Rams, but as Kelly Stafford noted, lots of opposing fans in L.A. I'm going Kyler, upset. Stafford blows it. ODB blows his top. His hair falls off as he kicks the kicking net. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. I'll let you guys get back to your Saturday afternoons. Go Bills. We'll talk to you soon. This is not going to be the last episode. Because we'll be back next week. Preview. The Divisional Round. Love you guys.